Let's look in the word of the Lord in the gospel according to St. Luke in chapter 15. The gospel according to St. Luke in chapter 15. Most of you in this building here this morning could almost quote what I'm going to read this morning. Some of you could, word for word, the entire portion of Scripture. I would suppose that all of you have heard and recall the account of what we are reading this morning and our Lord Jesus is preaching. Matter of fact, most people who have never even been to church, at least in generations past, and even of a great number of the current generation who have studied any degree of literature or have heard the discussions in the public discourse in the Western world, are familiar with the term, the prodigal son, and are maybe familiar with the story itself. This morning I want to read again in this passage of Scripture Preach in a way that I don't know that I have ever preached from this passage of Scripture, which sounds almost impossible, as many different messages as what I have preached and as much preaching as I have done from this portion of the Word of the Lord. But this morning, I feel like uh, that uh, the old preacher man, I can't think of his name right now, Tanya and Thomas would know him, that uh, came and preached for us when I was uh, a boy preacher at Pine Ridge, and he was up in his late 80s, he had pastored at New Georgia uh, over the years and had done a lot of uh, uh, work as a um, interim pastor for churches when they were in between pastors and so forth. And he was on up close to 90 years old when he came and preached for us on one Sunday morning. Great preacher, good man. It was a blessing. And he came in the door with, he, he had a smile on his face large enough to lose a coat hanger in it. And uh, my granddaddy met him at the, at the door and greeted him and shook hands with him. And he said in that old gruff voice that he had, Brother Powers, I'm so excited. He said, I've got a brand new one this morning. After all these years, God's still giving me brand new ones. And uh, I get the feeling that way. And I appreciate the Amen. Lord. And giving us a word from God. Luke 15, if you're able and willing, stand with us. And we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Luke chapter 15 and in verse number 11. The word of the Lord says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And when he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and am thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You can be seated this morning. Thank you graciously for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. I want to talk this morning for a little while out of this portion of Scripture about these words this morning. Coming home. Coming home. And one of our one of our songs in the hymnal, Coming home, coming home. Lord, I'm coming home. And that is what this passage of Scripture is a, an account all about. The prodigal son did have a rebellious streak that led him into the far country. But had he died in the hog pen, the likelihood is, is he would not have had his account preached nearly so much. But what makes this account so special is that, that we do have record of the preaching of Jesus telling about this young man coming home. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a great American writer, said this was the greatest story that was ever written inside or outside of the Bible. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. And it is the sermon Jesus delivered in the midst of the religious and the ruined. If you look in the very first part of chapter 15, the publicans and the harlots, the sinners are there to hear him, as well as these Pharisees and the scribes that are there. And they said he receives sinners and eats with them. He preaches this message in the midst of the religious as well as the ruined, in the midst of the sinners and the sanctified. He preaches to the leaders and the losers in society. And there were in attendance men of all kinds, according to the opening verses of the chapter. In truth, the story is the record of mankind and my friend both collectively and individually. It is the illustration of the elder brother who is like the Jew and the younger brother who is like the Gentile. It is a picture of humanity. The fallen race of humanity fallen and redeemed. It is the picture of the individual personally who has been, who has failed and who has been restored. And I see the imagery through this passage of scripture. And it is a parable. That is, it is an earthly story with a heavenly message. It's an illustration. There was not, as best we know, a literal man who had two sons. It is a continuation of this parable. He's speaking to them in parables, saying, according to verse number 3, and then in verse number 4, he begins in this three-part parable. The first part is that of the lost sheep. The second part is that of the lost silver. And the third part is that of the lost son. And there is a man that has two sons. The younger of the two sons says, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. And the Lord of the Bible says that the man divided unto them his living. That is, he sorted out the inheritance while he was yet alive and gave the younger son what would have belonged to him. 
And that younger son, not many days hence, shortly thereafter, just as soon as he could get his life and his plans together, took off and headed for the far country. And there he wasted his substance on riotous living. According to what his elder brother said later in the passage, he wasted his substance with harlots and with drinking and with revelry. It seems like he lived the party life. He lived it up. He dwelt in sin and wickedness. He dwelt among wicked and unreasonable men. Amen. He lived a life of revelry and sin. And he spent everything that he had. And it just so happens, and it didn't just so happen, it just so happens that when he ran out of money, the economy also crashed. There came a mighty famine in that land. I'm going to tell you something, friend. There are times that God lets people run out so they might run back. Are you listening to me this morning? Sometimes we look at people that are struggling and going through circumstances in their lives and we say we need to do something to help them and our idea of helping them is to feed them while they are in the hog pen. Well, the best thing that ever happened to this young man was when he ran out. He ran out. And he could not feed himself in the hog pen. And so long as what he had been able to fill his belly was something good to eat while he was in the hog pen, he had never headed back to the father's house. And sometimes our best efforts to be kind end up feeding a man while he's in the hog pen. And if his belly is full, he'll stay where he is. A God may have him where he is is, enduring what he is to get him to recognize where he is and where he's gone and to come home again. And we don't want to interrupt what the Lord is doing in people's lives. This famine was of no surprise to the Lord. He knew that it was coming. And sometimes we can't stand prosperity. Sometimes we need for those circumstances to drive us back home to the Father and to cause us to come home. This morning I really just want to show you three things and I have no sub points but I got a lot of preaching to do about those three things. Amen. And let me show you this prodigal this morning and this thing of coming home and I want to see humankind as a collectively as well as individually. I want to see humankind in three ways this morning in this portion of scripture. First of all I want us to see where man went. Secondly I want to see where he is now and thirdly I want us to see where he can be. Where he went, where he is now, and where he can be. Where man went, this younger son is a likeness of the human race. In his fall in sin, his rebellion was evident. He rebelled against his father and said, I would to God you were dead. That way I could get my inheritance. I don't care about my daddy's life. I don't care about what's right or wrong. I don't care about this house and this farm and this family and these people. All I care about is getting what's coming to me. By the way, it, I would have uh, I would have tended had I been this father to give that boy what was coming to him. Amen. Uh, but this father was a lot more generous and kind than what I probably would be. And uh, my friend, he could divide it unto them his living. Uh, a rebellion is what led him to this place. One man said it this way, rebellion is the taproot of all evil. Rebellion is the taproot of all evil. And selfish pride is the taproot of all rebellion. Rebellion is 
is the taproot of all evil. And selfish pride is the taproot of all rebellion. I'd say that's probably pretty true. How we tend to get full of self and full of pride. And full of who we think we are. And who, how what we think we can do. And we rebel against authority. And against, my friend, all that is established right and holy. And my friend, this young man in rebellion, he takes his journey into a far country. And not many days after the young son, a younger son gathered all together and it, uh, it took his, his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living according to verse 13. His journey is a journey of human existence. It is the path of a prodigal. It is the road of a rambler. His steps are the steps of a sinner. His route is the route of a ripple. And the results according to this passage of Scripture. When a man lives the way he thinks he wants to. When he goes the way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. According to Jeremiah 10 and 23. It is not in a man that walketh to direct his own steps. Amen. God have mercy on us. And when he went the way he wanted to, friend, the results of his way were waste, famine, want, hunger, and perish. Those are the five words the Bible uses to describe the results of the behavior and the path of the prodigal son. The Bible uses the words waste, famine, want, hunger, and perish. Oh, hear me. It seems that he wanted this life, but he could not survive it. Are you listening to me? He wanted to live this way, but he didn't have what it took to survive this life. Mankind of my friend looked upon Adam upon the fruit in the garden of Eden, saw that it was pleasant unto the eye, saw that it was good for fruit. He wanted this life, but he was not able to survive it. The sinner, my friend, looks upon sin, the forbidden fruit of disobedience and rebellion. He looks upon, my friend, the wickedness of this land, and he wants the life of the prodigal, but he's not able to survive it. And when lust is finished, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The reason why man lusts after it, he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. He wants the life of the prodigal, but he's not able to survive it. All the wages of sin is death. It seems that he wanted this. Oh, that's how sin works. And listen to me tonight, today. Been doing a lot of night preaching. I hear the man of God this morning. The fall of man is deeper than what we know. The fall of man is farther than what we realize. The collapse of humanity is more grotesque, more more hellish, more horrendous than what we really realize this morning. We make so little of sin that God makes so much of sin. We, we bat, our, bat our eyes and we, my friend, overlook sin and we excuse sin but God judges sin. The, mere, the fall of man is so deep that God had to go to extreme measures had to do something about the ditch where man had fallen. To do 
something about the pit and where we resided. Amen. And it took great measures of great magnitude to bring us out. Think about this this morning. We look up into the heavens and see the stars hanging in the heavens. The Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, Ryan's Belt. My favorite's the Big Dipper. If I'm going to be doing some dipping, I want the Big Dipper. Amen. Don't give me the little teaspoon. I want the big tablespoon, maybe even the ladle. I don't like the Little Dipper. I like the Big Dipper. Amen. But we look up into the sky, stars in the sky, the sun, the moon. We look around us to see every tree bearing fruit, all the flowers of the field and the green grass. And we see every animal, every fish of the sea and fowl of the air. How we see every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. How we look around and see mankind walking upright on two hind legs. Have my friend the ability to look one another in the eyes, speak to each other, communicate in multiple hundreds of languages across planet earth. And we realize that God made all of this in six days and rested on the seventh. The magnitude of the work of creation being what it is. My friend, everything in the heavens, everything in the earth, everything under the earth, He made it all in six days and rested on the seventh. That is the power of God. He made it all with an instant, with a word and He made it in an instant. With a breath, He made man and gave Him status just below the beings of heaven and intellect that no other earthly creature can hold. And my friend, he breathed in our nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And he made man just a little lower than the angels. What a miracle, what a miracle it is. Man comprised of dust. And my friend made of the dirt of the ground. And yet with just the breath of God, he has a spark of divine that lives in him and he's just one step lower than the angels and God does it in that much time God does it in just a split second God does it without lifting a finger just with a breath oh it's a magnitude of the miracle of creation that takes place but hear me here's the depth of the fall here is the depth of the fall of mankind in his sin in the collapse man falls so far God cannot redeem him in a moment God cannot redeem him with a breath God cannot redeem him with a word God cannot redeem him in a day amen are you listening to me today the crown of creation mankind becomes a monster he devises evil of all sorts. He gives intellectual energy to the most wicked matters that have ever been birthed out of hell. And then it becomes the eternal labor of God to redeem His fallen creation. Heaven and earth are made in six days. The redemption of humankind is a work of such magnitude that it's occupied our Lord every day since the end of the labor of redemption the magnitude of redemption is a million times more hundreds of million times more than the miracle of creation was fall of man was so deep that mankind's sin could not simply be winked on put aside tossed aside forgotten about treated as if it never existed but every sin had to be paid for with blood 
every sin must be paid for with the price of blood. In the Old Testament, it was a lamb for a man, a lamb for a house, a lamb for a nation. In the New Testament, it's a lamb for the world. But in both Old and New Testament, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Every lie must be paid for. Every sin must be dealt with. Every lust, every malice, every hatred, every theft, every gossip must be paid for. Oh, listen to me this morning. Some churches teach that God looks at sin differently and deals with sin differently and addresses sin differently and maybe even excuses sin differently and save people or believers than what He does in unbelievers. But such teaching is a fallacy. The only way to redemption for every person is through the blood of a lamb. God does not look at mankind who believes in Christ and say his sin's alright. It's okay. Sin on. Licentiousness is what that is. The grace of God turned into a license to sin. Sin is wrong for the drunkard on skid row. That's wrong for the deacon and for the preacher. That's wrong for the song director and the pianist and the musicians and the Sunday school teacher and the little boys and girls and the peer. Sin stinks in the nostrils of God. If it is my sin or your sin or your mama's sin or your pet's sin or your favorite sin, if it's the sin of the stranger, if it's the sin of your family, that sin still stinks in the nostrils of God all the same. In fact, if it were possible this morning, I could easier accept that God is more angry, more frustrated, and more bothered by the sin of believers and that of unbelievers. We have tasted the goodness of God. We have known the joy of sins forgiven. We have received the grace of our Lord. He's teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. And when we sin, we trample underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus. We shake our fist in the face of a merciful God who brought us out of the bondage of guilt. And we make a mockery of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is serious about dealing with this sin problem in our lives. Amen. God have mercy on our souls. Yet in the midst of this, nobody today would say the Father approved of the life that this son was living. Matter of fact, if he wanted to live this life, he had to leave home to do it, Brother Charles. He wasn't going to stay at the Father's house and chase after these, these harlots and get drunk and revelry and party and live like a dog. He couldn't stay at the Father's house and do that. Because the father didn't approve of that. He wouldn't accept that. He wouldn't tolerate that. He wasn't going to have that kind of stuff. If you were going to live that way, you had to leave the father's house. Because the father wasn't going to put up with that stuff at his house. But even though, my friend, the father disapproved of everything the son 
said was to him. He never stopped loving this boy. He never stopped calling him son. He never stopped looking for him. Oh, it's hard for us to even imagine. It's difficult for us to understand. I don't have the words to put it into or to encapsulate this truth this morning. I can't put it into words. I say God loves a sinner. And Jesus received his sinners in verse 2. And Jesus received his sinners. I don't know how all best to say it this morning, but I do say hallelujah that Jesus receives sinners. He does not approve of sin. That Jesus receives sinners. Hallelujah. To have any clue of how to understand how God loves a sinner, you have to see His gift for sinful man. And that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father did not give us an angel. I mean, if He had given us an angel, that would have been a great gift. I mean, how many of you would like to have an angel? The Father didn't give us an angel. The Father didn't just give us a religion. By the way, I'm glad I've got that old time religion. And I praise the Lord. Somebody said, oh, you don't need to get religion out. But listen, you don't need to just have religion, but you need a good dose of religion. Religion is a systematic uh, approach to your faith. And we ought to have a good dose of religion. Pure religion, undefiled before God. We need to have that. But God didn't just send us an angel. And God didn't just send us religion. And God didn't just send us a book. I sure I'm thankful for the book this morning, aren't you? That God didn't just send us a book. And God didn't just send us a preacher. I say hallelujah for the preacher. And for the man of God, for somebody to share the gospel. That God didn't just send us a preacher or a prophet or an apostle. But He gave us His own Son to have an idea of how much God the Father loves broken, fallen, His humanity and the deeds wasted and ruined and in famine and impoverished and my friend we must realize the gift he gave is the Lord Jesus Christ and my friend the wage of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord it's in Jesus that we live and move and have our being praise God for that name Jesus. Oh, the angel told Joseph, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. He gave us Jesus, is who he gave. Hallelujah. At the name of Jesus, Mary Magdalene can say, Though that one in whom there were seven devils dwelling in her, I am delivered. At the name of Jesus, the leper cries, I am clean. At the name of Jesus, blind Bartimaeus can say, I can see. At the name of Jesus, the lame man rejoices, I can walk. At the name of Jesus, Lazarus exclaims, I 
I am alive. Hallelujah. The sinner at the name of Jesus may say, I am forgiven. I am saved. I am different. All eternity has changed because of the work of the Son of God. And my friend, because of Jesus, Satan must say, I've got a headache that I'll never get set of. Amen. Praise God for the gift of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. He'll bruise his heel, but he'll bruise his, that is Satan's head. He's got a headache he'll never get over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where men went, only Jesus could help him. No man gave unto him. He went as low as what he could go. Matter of fact, he felt as bad as the hogs he was with. And said, I'd just as soon eat what they've got. Matter of fact, they look like they're doing pretty good. You know you've gotten a bad place when you look like a hog. Eating a slop, the leftovers, refuse to throw out. Everything that you're ready to just throw in the garbage. And when you look at them eating that mess and you say they look like they're doing pretty good, you've gone pretty far off in the ditch. Amen. Amen. Any of you ever slopped hogs, you know what I'm saying is the truth. A hog eat just about anything you give to them if it's just slopped in there just for them. And they'll eat part of it, waller in the rest of it, lay all over the top of it. And to my friend, they mess the same place where they lay down and they lay down the same place where they eat. And they just don't care about nothing. They waller in it and they smell and they stink. And this old boy sat in the middle of all of that, looked at those hogs and said, they're doing better than what I am. That's how for he fell. Oh, my friend, that's where man was. And where he fell, that's where the depths to which he fell. That is the stain of sin that was imprinted on his life. Collectively, humanity, individually, man, individually, men have fallen the same place. And then, so this morning, I want us to see where the man went. Secondly, I want us to see where he is now. Oh, where is man now? I run off to the far country. Run off into that sinful place. Run off into that wicked lifestyle. Oh, when I see a man, hear me. The Bible tells about this boy and how he got. Down in the, uh, got down in the uh, land and spent all he had, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Went out to feed the swine. I was in the the uh, hog pen with the swine, and he came to himself and said, "How many hired servants have my fathers?" Here he is. He's a son, but he's in the hog pen. He's a son, but he's living like swine. He's a son, but he's a picking out. And the world is sin. Oh, if you'd have looked at that boy in that hog pen covered in muck and mire, you would have never recognized him as a son. You'd have never said, There's the son. How you'd look at you say, Look at that old sloppy rascal. How look at that old swiney, nasty, stinky thing down in that hog pen. When I see a man on skid row, when I see a junkie with needle tracks in his arm, when I see the wild eye. 
lives of crazed evil maniacs and take the life of some child. How would I see some woman, my friend running from one truck to another, beating on the doors, asking for favors and money, my friend at some rest stop. I don't see in my mind's eye the image of a son or the remnants of a son or the marks of sonship. But this parable reminds me of my friend that the father never stopped calling this boy son. And that this boy never stopped calling his daddy father. Amen. And there is that. Hear me. There is that similitude of the image God made him in that remains even in the hog Now listen to me. Don't misunderstand. I'm not preaching the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of all men. If y'all don't know what that means, the fatherhood of God and brotherhood of all men is what is what uh, people of the ecumenical uh, flavor would say that we're all sons of God. Everybody's a son of God. Lost and saved, we're all sons of God. We're all going to heaven together. And God's God, you know, and if you call Him by one name or if you call Him by another or if you recognize Him as the Christian God or the Islamic God or whatever else, it's all the same and we're all going to the same heaven together and everything's all right. And I'm not preaching that at all. What I am saying to you, friend, is while he's down in the hog pen, while you look at him in the hog pen, he was covered with slop and mud and nastiness and filth, and he was broken and bankrupted and barefooted. Oh, but if you'd have washed him off real good, rubbed the mud off his face, you'd have still noticed the family resemblance. Are you listening to me? A man was made in the image and in the likeness of God, and we inherited Adam's. And genetics, we inherited our father's Adam's likeness. And when God looks at us, He sees behind the mud that's in our face. Some of y'all was so dirty yesterday, y'all didn't even recognize you in the picture. Some went and did a mud race. Some of them still got a little mud that's dug in and stuck to them, clung to them. And my friend just sort of painted them up that way. And my friend, listen, I didn't even recognize them behind the mud. Oh, but listen, God sees beneath the mud. God sees up under the muck and the mire. And He sees the resemblance of what He made. Oh, though it's all muddy up, though it's all dirty and stinking, though it's in a place where He doesn't want it, the Father still recognizes. By the way, the first time He ever saw us was in the dirt. Amen. The first time He ever looked on man was when He pulled him out of the pile of dirt and I'll say if he's able to pull us out of dirt to start with he's able to pull us out again amen hallelujah he brought me up out of the miry clay set my feet upon a solid rock established my goings hallelujah he brought us out of the dirt to begin with and he can bring us out of the dirt again amen hallelujah when we look at him, we don't even see the traces, the remnants of the uh, remainders of what used to be a son of God. But God sees it that way. Hallelujah. And he's still calling him my son. Amen. Hallelujah. I got news for you. That boy in the hog pen sees it that way. He's still calling him my father. <laughs> Woo! 
Hallelujah. For those that are there this morning saved by God's grace and you failed the Lord and you've come short of the glory of God and the devil says God don't love you and he don't want you and God will not receive you and he does not. I want you to come back home and he'll not have you in his house. Be reminded the old devil is a liar this morning and God sees you. My friend still is his son. And my friend if you know God like I know God you know he does and you still recognize him as your father all he wants is to get you out the muck and the mire and clean you up bring you out and make you look like a son again amen amen I'll tell you something else it's not only that one that's on skid row it's not only that one that's gone so far it's not only that one that seems like he is caked with mud all over him But those of you who are saved this morning in the building who will be honest will understand that you know what I'm talking about. The door is open for them as well as for us. The servant of the child of God, you understand as I do what it is like to want to be perfect. To want to do what's right in every part of your life. To desire with all of your heart to please God and for every area of your life to measure up to what you believe the Lord would be pleased with. To want your life to be of service and to want your life to be a blessing to somebody else. And to struggle with intensity that you may announce to heaven, I've done what you wanted me to do and I am now what you want me to be. And yet to discover in yourself how how you have failed miserably and fallen short. It's a great burden to my soul when I see my shortcomings. But I learned something from reading and studying in the life of the prodigal son. Even the truest and greatest of the sons of the father are coming back to God. None of us are all the way home yet. Even the truest of the sons of God are coming back to the Father. And none of us are all the way home yet. When we get back home, you know where the elder son is? He's out in the field. He's not at the house either. Matter of fact, when this story gets done, he never does even get back in the door. The one that never left home didn't get back in the house. Are you listening to me this morning? He was on the outside looking in even though he never left the grounds. Just because you say, oh, I don't have the stench of the hog pen on my life. I've not done what they've done. I've not gone where they've gone. I've not lived like they've lived. Doesn't mean you're inside the house. Doesn't mean you're where you need to be with God. Doesn't mean everything is all right. In fact, if you give your dead level best, you serve God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. While you are trapped in this body, at this house of clay, you'll still fall short of the glory. Glory of God. I didn't get received back to the Father's house because I made it all the way home. But while I was yet a great way off, the Father came to me. And listen, right now, I'm not I'm not eating the marriage supper. I'm not back at the house feasting yet. I'm just journeying back. But praise God, Junior, while I journey, the Father's with me. He's walking with me. I'm wearing the robe and the ring. We're not all the way home yet. 
Not all the way home yet. We're just coming home. Hallelujah. You see, the way home for everybody's the same. Doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Methodist or if you're Pentecostal or Church of God. Doesn't matter. My friend, if you live on the street and don't know one religion from another, if you're Islamic or Jewish, it does not matter if you, my friend, wouldn't know the Bible if you laid your eyes on it. And the way to God is the same for everybody. And it's one word, repent. Not that difficult to understand, but it sure is hard to do sometimes. Amen. The Bible says, this repentant man in verse 17, verse 17 says, when he came to himself. By the way, I don't know if you realize it or not, but that's your problem. And that's my problem. Self. This young man thought that that is the problem. My older brother's a problem. Those sheep are the problem. This farm's a problem. The life that I live, rules, regulations, stipulations, supervision, that's my problem. But when he came to himself in the hog pen, he realized none of that's the problem. I'm the problem. I came to myself that self, that guy is the problem. Don't know if I know rightly how to say this this morning. I hope you'll understand maybe what I mean by just what I'm about to say. But sometimes it's hard for a man to admit he's in a pig pen when he's standing neck deep in slop. Amen. I mean, everybody else can see it. It shows up all over you and you're about to drown in the slop and the muck and the mire. But yet you keep shaking your head and saying, nope, I'm all right. Nope, I'm all right. I got a handle on it. I can do it. I'm okay, but there's only one way home. Turn from yourself to the Father. Turn from your life unto God. It is repentance. That's the key. Now, how do you do it? It's real easy. At least it's easy for me to tell you. He came to himself. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll arise and go to my Father. And you know what I'll do? I'll bring words. You remember a few weeks ago we preached about words, bringing words. I'll bring words. And some of these days we're going to preach that out of Hosea. I'll bring words. And you know what words I'll bring to him? Words of repentance. And these are what they are. I have sinned. Just that easy. Just that direct. Not daddy, I'd like to explain myself. This is not what it looks like it is. And if you really understood where I was coming from, you wouldn't feel so hard towards me. And you know, your mama wasn't always a perfect mama. Matter of fact, she ain't even nowhere in this story. And you know, you've been a pretty good daddy, but you're not perfect either, you know. And that older brother I got picked on me all the time and mistreated me. And I've got a lot of excuses. And I probably ought to get some counseling. And uh, daddy, besides that, most of what I did was good. It wasn't all bad. And no excuses. No excuses, no blaming anybody else, and no finding reasons for my disobedience. Just plain out, I have sinned. 
1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Long is what we confuse our sin. And my friend, long is what we excuse our sin. Long is what, my friend, we make allowances for our sin and try to pretend we're going to ignore our sin. We'll never get a help for our sin. And my friend, if you cover your sin, you'll not prosper. But if you'll confess and forsake them, you'll obtain mercy. I have sinned. That's how you repent. Come clean. You get honest. No need standing around with a foreigner's coat on, barefoot and covered in slop, and my feet in junk and mud, and from down there at the hog pit, and saying, nobody can go down there. Nobody can been where the hogs are. Nobody don't know anything about no pigs. You're covered in slop. You know something about pigs. Amen. Instead of just pretending like, oh, no, no, I've been a good boy all my life. Everything's all right. I've always done right. Who, me? This boy says, I have sinned. He didn't say my older brother needs some dealing with too. I know I'm guilty, but he is too. Don't even bother. does not matter about the brother. When this young man left home, we get the idea that he's so jealous and upset over his older brother, it's ridiculous. When he comes back, you realize that younger brother never says one word about the older brother through the end of the chapter. The older brother's still giving the younger brother a hard time, but that younger brother, after he repents, when he comes back to the father and says, I have sinned, he never says another word about that older brother. Some of you this morning, one of your biggest problems is you run around trying to quantify yourself and measure yourself by somebody else and you have the what about him and what about her syndrome and that what about him that's going on in your life is defeating you and all you can do is whenever the preacher preaches on your sin you say yeah but what about John what about Randy what about Junior what about this and what about that one what about that preacher up the road down the road you realize when you stand before God someday you're not going to answer for brother Ron and brother, uh, brother uh, John brother Randy or brother Ron or brother Jeremy amen you're not going to answer for anybody else you're going to answer for you you're going to answer for your life who you are when God's trying to deal with you he's not trying I'm not fin to deal with you because of what everybody around you's done but he's wanting to deal with what you have done I have sinned. He didn't come back and tell that father that man in the far country mistreated me. Those harlots took all of my money. My friends left me hungry. Nobody would give me a bite to eat. My older brother doesn't even care. Her mama hadn't sent me a letter since I left home. He has nothing to say about anybody but himself. I have sinned. Personal responsibility. Own up to it this morning. By the way, I hate this. I really do. I hate it. I'm talking about in my own life, I hate it. But I believe we ought to just get specific and get honest with the Lord. I'm especially talking to saved people right this minute. I mean, when you've done wrong, you know what it is. And you knew what it was when you did it. So do I. And we come before the Lord, at least I do, and I'm, I'm imagining there's people all over the building this morning that's probably just as pitiful as what I am about this. And come before the Lord and say something like this, Lord, now if I've done anything, 
If I've done anything to separate my relationship between me and you, Lord, I sure am sorry and I want you to forgive me. If I've broken your law and if I've ignored your word and if I've in some way had any infraction in my life and if I've fallen short of the glory of God at any point, Lord, I want you to forgive me of that. And knowing good and well, not only if we have, we have. And knowing where we have and how we have and what we have. And instead of saying, Lord, if and if and if, we ought to just come clean and say, I have sinned. Hard to do is what it is. It's not complicated, but it's hard to do. You know what led him off in the far country and started the message with it? A rebellion is a taproot of all evil and pride is a taproot of rebellion. You know what led him into the far country? It began with pride. You know what he had to lose? If he's going to come back to the Father, his pride. He had to come back saying, I was wrong. I have sinned. It's my fault. I am sorry. And when you get there, God will do something in your life and if you don't you never will get where you need to be never will I have sinned amen repentance toward God faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is how saved people get saved amen repentance leaves no space for rebellion or for pride where man went, where he is now, I'm finishing with this, where he can be. The religions of the world are systems whereby man reaches toward God. But salvation is the way God reaches out toward man. And this morning, if you are in the hog pen, if you're not at the Father's house, if you're out in the field like the elder brother, you're not serving God as you ought to serve. You don't have to sit out far from home and wonder why you smell the muck and the mire and the slop of the hogs. You don't have to sit there and wonder, will my Father receive me? Will He receive you? He's looking for you. He's wanting to receive you. He wants you to come back home. Religion is man reaching for the Father, but salvation is the Father reaching for man. He He's looking for you. The father was at home. He was on the highest hill. He was watching in the direction of the far country. He was waiting for the sun to turn around. Oh, ever since the boy left home, the father had been waiting for him to come back and wanting them to come back. And the father wants you to return this morning. When he came home, he didn't come home to a good whooping. When he came, the the far country had whooped him enough. When he came home, he came home to an embrace and to a kiss. Fellow boy sitting in the hog pen said, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father. He probably, he probably won't even let me come back. I mean, with all I've done and I'm ashamed of all of it, but I know what I'll tell him. I'll just tell him the whole truth. I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I don't even expect you to take me back as a son. Matter of fact, I don't even expect you to take me back as a slave. But if you just let me work a little bit, I don't want a handout. I don't want bread for free. Just let me do a little work. Let me go feed the, feed the animals in the field. I'll do anything that he says for me to do. If he'll just let me have a meal once in a while. If he'll just let me 
have a morsel of bread, I'll do it all. I don't know if he'll receive me, but I'm going home to try. I'm going home to test him out. I wonder, will he take me? Will he accept me? Will he love me? How will he let me come home? How bad will he punish me? That he's met with an embrace and with a kiss. Hallelujah. In fact, he's not just met with an embrace and with a kiss, but he's met with an embrace and with a kiss and a kiss and a kiss and a kiss and a kiss. And when the Bible said that he, how when he was a great way off, the father saw him and ran and had compassion and ran in verse 20 and fell on his neck and kissed him. That word kissed him. And the underlying Greek literally means to kiss him over and over and over again. It just all over him. It's not just grabbing a hold of his boy and planting one on his cheek. It's kissing him all over. Amen. Somebody said, oh, I wouldn't treat a grown man that way. Hey, you treat your little boy that way. This was the father letting him know that you're not just some grown man that just crawled out of a nasty armpit. You're my little boy. You're my son. I love you. Hallelujah. I say the kisses of his mouth are sweeter than wine. His embrace is sweeter than honey. Oh, my beloved, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. He greeted him and just kissed him and kissed him and kissed him some more. Hallelujah. Had compassion. Not only was there an embrace, it was there a kiss, but he said there was a robe. Father said to his servants, The sons that I've sinned against heaven in thy sight and no more worthy be called thy son. He never even got to ask, Would you make me a hired servant? The father jumped in just as soon as what that boy said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Said, Hold on just a minute, boy. I got to tell these servants something. Hold on, son. I got to talk to the servants just a minute. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And he said to these servants, that boy is about to say, make me a hired servant. He never gets that far. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Hold on just a minute, son. i got to tell his servants what to do just a minute. Are you all with me now? He didn't say, all right, you're going to be made a servant. Your first duty is. Oh, no. He said, son, wait just a minute. i got a job for the servants to do. Hey, servants, go in the house down there. And if it's like my dad, my dad's extraordinarily organized. I'm going house down there and you know go back in the back end of my closet you know where the belt hangs there on the left hand side right beside the nail that I drove 43 years ago that have been hanging that same belt on for the last 43 years go right beside that there's a blue coat and it's got pockets on the inside and on the outside and to pull it off that hanger it's my coat it's the best coat in the house it's the best suit of clothes there is in the house give me that suit of clothes and bring it out here and you are Hurry up, servant. And this my son is ready to get dressed in the right kind of clothes. We can't have a boy of mine wearing coats like this. I can't have my son wearing that old wore out hog slop covered coat. Hurry up, chip, 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 hurry up. Oh, hey, how is it? Your mama says it. Tell me how she says it now when she wants y'all to do something that is that what it is, like a dog or something? All right, he's standing there and saying, Come on. Come on. Amen. And that servants are running to get that coat coming back. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
when he gets back, you know what they find? Down to Father's house, he runs in, he gets a coat. How somebody said, Where are you going with the master's best suit of clothes? He didn't say there's a boy at the end of the road that just watered out the hog pen that I'm gonna put this on. He said that son is back. And the master said to put the best suit of clothes on him. The boys ought not to wear that stuff that he's had on in the far country. And I'm carrying my father's or carrying the father's coat back to put on the son. Hallelujah. Can I tell you this morning that the very best thing that I ever did do <laughs> was when I took off the old coat and I put on the new. That old coat was ragged, tattered and torn, but he gave me a new one. Had never been worn. <laughs> Woo! Praise God. Bring me the best robe! <laughs> Oh, listen, don't get one of them numbered uniforms with an employee ID number here that they just brought back from Sintas hanging them back there in the servants' quarters where all of them just the same. I want that one made by Michael Kors or Armani or I want that I want that Joseph A. Bank unit back there. Bring me the nicest one you got. Hey, hey, bring me an Armani suit some alligator suit a Rolex watch, amen. We're going to fix this boy up right. He's my son. Put a suit of clothes on him. And best I can tell, he got dressed in the street. Are y'all listening to me? Best I can tell, he got dressed right where he stood. Amen. <laughs> he dressed him on the way home. <laughs> Does anybody know what I mean? I'm not home yet, but I'm on my way home. <laughs> he dressed me on the way. <laughs> Woo! Far as I know, and I know customs change over time, but if it was in our time, they wouldn't have had a bathtub out there in the street. <laughs> you know what they did, don't you? They took the best clothes that the father had. And he put it on top of the pig swaller. <laughs> Are you listening to me? And up under, up under that nice father-like robe, up under those clothes that belonged to the father, that uniform that said I'm a son of the father was the stench of the hog pen that said I have a past that I'm ashamed of. Oh, <laughs> oh, praise God. I'm still living in this same old body, this same old flesh, this same old carnal man. Oh, these same hands still got scars that tell the records of my life. Oh, but I got on a coat. <laughs> oh, who are these? These are they that have come out of great tribulation and have made their robes white and clean, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Though your sins be red like crimson, though they be, hallelujah, though they be red like scarlet, though they be like crimson, they'll be like wool, they'll be like snow. Praise God, He gave me a new coat to wear. That ain't all. While you're there, don't run off yet, son. While you're there, Mr. Servant, there's a ring in that top drawer on the left side. 
And that ring in that top drawer, it's on the left side, you know, right there. It's, been, it's in that reserved place. You know where we've been keeping it. I've been polishing it up. It's my boy's ring. <laughs> Woo! I've been waiting for him to come home. Go back and get that ring. We're giving it back to him. Hallelujah. The one he lost when he failed, we're going to give it back. <laughs> oh, somebody said, oh, I don't care about rings. I don't like wearing rings. You would if you was this boy. Oh, because in this day, a wealthy man who put a ring on his son, that ring was not for decoration. That ring was like having a routing and account number. Amen. That ring was like having, Brother John said, a credit card, but he wasn't going to operate on borrowed money. I'll say it's like a debit card. Amen. And so that ring was access to the bank account. Oh, you know what that ring said? Everything the Father has belongs to me. Every need I have, I can go to town and do business with my Father. I need to go to the market, buy something. They said, oh, do you have any money? He said, I don't have no money, but I got a ring. And they said, oh, that ring belongs to such and such wealthy man. Look, here's his credit account. And there's a, the uh, the uh, wax. Just put the seal in it. He puts the seal in. He walks away with his good. Daddy pays for it on his account. Are you listening to me this morning? Praise God saved folks. Adam was given dominion over everything. He lost it in the fall. But when we come back the ring is still there. The same one Adam used to have. And God, my friend, will put all things up under our feet and give us dominion and victory again. Hallelujah. And he said, wait a minute. Amen. Don't run off yet. While you're there, there's some size 11 and a half shoes on the far end of the closet that's been spit shined every day since this boy left home. And they fit in perfectly. And my boys come home barefooted. And I want you to bring them shoes back. And I'm going to put them shoes on him. And y'all don't know what that means either. Amen. We don't understand really what that means. You see, in that day, servants didn't wear shoes. Amen. Hired hands didn't have shoes. <laughs> Only the family of wealthy men had shoes. <laughs> and when he said, come back and put shoes on him, that's as good as to say it. I'm not putting him to work in the field as a field hand. My boy is going to wear shoes. <laughs> He's going to wear shoes. He's going to wear my boy's shoes. You know why? He is my boy. He's my son. We're putting shoes on him. <laughs> and everywhere his feet go, won't belong to him. Those shoes show dominion. Those shoes show authority. Those shoes show ownership. He sold out his whole inheritance. He don't have a dime left to buy a loaf of bread. He's lost everything. He has squandered his inheritance. But I'm going to cut him back in. Give him a new portion. Put on him new shoes. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. And just walk around and see what belongs to you again, son. Hey. Hallelujah. Well, I'm thinking about the Dixons. Gonna put on my shoes and walk around and see what's in that place that God's prepared. Thinking about that old Church of God choir when I was a kid singing. 
I'm going to put on the crown, walk around all over God's promised land. Hallelujah. When I wear my robe and crown, I'll lay these burdens down at the blessed Savior's feet. He'll say, let's look around. There's so many sights to see. You fought the fight and kept the faith. Come on in and settle down. Praise God. When I put on a robe and crown, I got to finish preaching. I got away from my notes and now I lost track of time. Where he can be. Listen to me this morning. And they go back and said, let's rejoice. This my son was dead and he's alive. He was lost and his family's be merry. I want to close with a story. And this is not just some illustration. Preacher man tells it as the truth. His experience. About 30 years ago, a young man, young preacher boy, about 30 years old at the time, had, and I hadn't seen him in years, had a uh, heart aneurysm. And when he had this heart aneurysm, he, he flatlined several times. I mean, he was a goner. They thought he was gone, 30 years old. Young preacher boy trying to live for God, trying to do what's right. And I mean, just sudden, you know, just boom. They thought for sure he was gone. Every doctor come around working on him. Man, they had him in the emergency room and they're rubbing him paddles together and popping him with those shockers and whatever they call all that stuff. And man, they're working on him on every side, trying to do everything they can to help him. And he's gone. He's out of it. Spent, spent the longest time in intensive care. And uh, even after they got him stabilized and he wasn't at himself and they didn't know what in the world was going on and that they didn't know how to help him. After process of time, little by little by little by little, he got better and came to himself and came out of the coma and gained his strength and became a minister of the gospel again. He never had quite the strength that he had before, but he did recover and get back on the road preaching again. This is what he told concerning his experience. He said while he was out and while he was on the table, and whether it was while he was in the coma or whether it was while he was on that table being shocked with those uh, paddles or what time frame, he could not tell as many of the things were, were murky. And he said at times I would be there and not be there. But he said one experience itself was so vivid and so real that it just it was as permanently in his mind. He believed it to be the, the Lord speaking in his life and said that uh, his mind wandered into eternity into a vision that he believed was given to him from the Lord and that he walked timidly into the presence of the mighty throne of light, viewed great splendor from every side, thought for sure I've died and I'm on my way to heaven. He reached out to embrace all the beauties and the splendors of heaven. He reached out into a place that my family could reach towards the throne when he heard a sinister voice of the old accuser, Satan, speak up and say to the Lord, Don't let him in. He's a murderer. He's a thief. He's a rapist. He's a homosexual. He's a child molester. He's guilty of evil of all sorts. Unspeakable things. Horrible things. Horrendous things. Don't let him in. The preacher was not so concerned. For he knew all these words of Satan were lies. But as the devil continued, he began to declare ugly truths about this young man of God. And he said... He's filled with pride. 
He struggles with envy. He has a jealous heart. He battles impure lust. He's neglected his prayer and Bible study. His devotions are not strong. He has been guilty of spreading gossip. Don't let him in. His heart failed within him as the lies of Satan blend with the accusations of truth and substance until a thundering voice sounded from the throne saying, How do you plead to these charges? And he was frightened. He said and testified, I thought within myself, I couldn't plead guilty to all of them, though many of them I was guilty of. But if I pled guilty, God would send me off into hell. Sure as the world. I knew I could not plead guilty. I could not plead and not guilty. For God knows the truth. And He knows that some of these things I am guilty of. Then I would have lied. And then God will send me to hell. Sure as the world. What in the world must I say? And finally as a knot of fear swelled up in His throat. And He could hardly speak or swallow. He said, I told the Lord only the... The one and only thing I knew to say. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he said, I didn't see anybody. But I felt an arm come around me and hold me up close. And say, Father, he's one of mine. And everything that old liar has said, I've already taken care of. Hallelujah. You listen to me this morning. I'm not home yet. I'm just on my way home. Oh, but one day I'll hear him say, well done. Not because I've always done well, but because when I have not done well, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm his son. He's my father. Praise God and I'm coming home. Coming home. Everybody stand. I'm finished preaching what God's put on my heart this morning. If you need to pray this morning, I've tried to be obedient to the Lord. I've preached a lot longer than I intended to. A lot longer than I intended to this morning. Please forgive me if I've worn on your patience today. I just want to admit today that I'm not home yet. I'm not perfect. But I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm on my way. I've made it far enough to get a robe and a ring and shoes. To have the presence of the Father walking by me the rest of the way back. <laughs> you see, if this boy had gone home without that father, are you listening to me? With all he had done under the law, they would have been just to take up rocks and stone him for what he had done to his father. <laughs> But when the father comes back with him and says, y'all don't throw rocks at him. He's my son. He was dead and he's alive. He was lost. He was found. Not only that, he's wearing my clothes. And you know why they couldn't throw rocks at him? The father was sheltering over him (laughs) and saying, I won't have it. I've forgiven him. He's mine. Woo! You know why I won't land under judgment, under the wrath of Almighty God? Because He hath not appointed me under wrath, but to receive mercy. Bless His dear name. I'm coming home. I'm on my way home. Oh, today somebody ought to get right with the Lord. Sing for us when you're ready. 
I've tried to preach what the Lord's put on my heart. Would you plead the blood of Jesus? Would you surrender to the Lord? Would you come home? Hallelujah. I know I'm not home yet. I'm not perfect yet. But I'm on my way home. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm not going in the wrong direction anymore. I've turned around and I'm on the way back. And he's walking with me. Watching for you and for me. Would you come home? Come home. Coming home. Coming home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly. Earnestly. Oh,